welcome to the AD's Office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. What's up, sports fans? Welcome to the AD's Office, where we take you through our takes on the NFL. I'm Alex, he's Devin, and our office hours are officially open as the NFL regular season comes to a close. Yeah, week 18, we are officially done with all of the regular season. We know what the playoff matchups are going to be. We know who's in, we know who's out. We know what about the first 20 20 picks of the NFL draft will be in the first round. Man, some things happened. Yeah, for 14 teams and 14 fan bases, still chasing that ever-elusive Lombardi trophy. But for most of the league, season's over, and we are looking to next year. We as fans are sitting on opposite sides of that spectrum. Uh, There's no elephant in the room this time. We both got what we wanted. Lions beat the Vikings. Lions are hopefully carrying momentum into the playoffs. Vikings secured the 11th overall pick in the draft. Yeah, and I mean, I hate to beat a dead horse, and there's plenty of Twitter accounts and Facebook and talking heads saying the same thing, but like we discussed last week, if that issue with the Cowboys and the refs at the end of the game doesn't happen, the Detroit Lions would be the one seed right now. But okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit. They only get that one seed if the 49ers lose this past weekend which they did. However, would they have sat Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams and Brock Purdy if the one seed wasn't locked up? Probably not. Would the Rams still have sat Matthew Stafford? Probably. They weren't really changing their seating either way. Yeah, the Rams had nothing to play for other than, you know, pride and minutes and I suppose auditions for some of these guys who are on expiring contracts. You always want to put some film together. But for the most part, there was nothing on the line for the Rams. And because of that uh, Lions-Cowboys ending, there was nothing on the line for the Niners either. Right. And because of that, the Lions ended up as the three seed after they beat on the Minnesota Vikings. They won 30-20. to It seemed like a little bit of a shootout, but I don't think there was a single second in the game where the Vikings held a lead, so not really. Not really, and it didn't ever feel like a competitive game. My assessment with my I'm a fan, I've never gotten paid to analyze football take, Nick Mullins is basically Kirk Cousins without the poise or arm talent. He reminds me of like a less strong Cousins from like his second year in Washington as a starter. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think... Watching the game, the biggest thing that stood out to me, he never once looked calm. He was always frantic. Totally. I don't love frantic in a franchise quarterback. Yeah, but no one's asking him to be the franchise. That's true. No, the Vikings need to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Obviously, re-signing Kirk Cousins is an option. We'll talk about off-season options later. It's an option. It's it's for sure an option. The conversation in Minnesota as of late from all of our local talking heads has been how close is this team to winning a Super Bowl or at least contending for one? And if they think they're close, bring Cousins back. I want to ask you what you think on this. Like, how close are they really? Because I know what I think, and it's not that close. I don't think they're that close, and I think the short version 
of what'll be a longer conversation in the off season is that if you pay Kirk Cousins roughly 15% of your salary cap, you can't afford to fix all the other holes on the roster. And that's kind of my thought is pretty much the same thing. They're going to need an edge rusher. If Daniil Hunter leaves, they're going to need two edge rushers. Mm -hmm. They need to fix several spots in their O-line. They have quite literally the worst interior defensive line in the league. Yeah, so you need an entire new defensive front, essentially. Ivan Pace has been a stud, but besides that, Daniil Hunter is your only notable player. Yep. Harrison Phillips is good. Probably need a couple of cornerbacks. Harrison Smith is teasing retirement. Yeah, so essentially you need all new starters along your defense, which was the case last year, too. And Brian Flores masked a lot of those needs. Yeah, no, the defense looked really good this year. The problem is a lot of those guys will not be back next year. That's just the nature of it. Yeah, I don't think they're particularly close. I say, you know, find a rookie, let him ride it out the next two years, and yep. build your build your team from the draft. Yeah, and if you can draft well, that really is the key to success. And kudos to the Lions for pulling off some decent drafting. Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs are the first ever pair of rookies to both have 10-plus touchdowns in the same season. That's remarkable value add to a team that was already really good. Yeah, and not only that, but also they're only the second team in NFL history to have four players with at least 10 touchdowns. The first team in NFL history, the 2013 Denver Broncos, who are by far the number one ranked offense of all time. Granted, Detroit did it in one more game. Still, the records aren't going to care how many games you played when we look back, and it's an impressive statistic to hang no matter what. Obviously, the Lions don't care a whole lot about statistics. No. You want the, you want wins. Right. And that's really the name of the game between the two teams that we're fans of this past week and this past season. Detroit got a lot from their young players. Minnesota's young players have been lackluster, to put it lightly, the last couple of years. So... Detroit got a lot from those guys. They end up winning the division. They want a first-round playoff win against the Rams, and everybody knows Matthew Stafford. Yeah, tons of drama in Detroit for that playoff game. And if you're a Vikings fan, here's my two main pieces of solace for you. Number one, there are only two offensive tackles in the entire league who have graded 85-plus for both pass and run blocking. Trent Williams, who we have talked about all season long, maybe the best offensive tackle in the league, and Christian Derrissaw. So the Vikings have a legitimate starting franchise left tackle in place. Yeah. And then the other bright spot, always going to be a bright spot, Justin Jefferson cleared 1,000 yards over the weekend. He did it in just 10 games. Only three receivers ever have put up 1,000 yards in 10 games. Obviously, that's averaging over 100 yards per game. His yards per game average was the highest of his career. His yards per reception went up from last year on roughly the same amount of targets per game, and he had identical touchdown per game percentages this season. Even with injuries, if you isolate the per game averages, Jefferson was exactly what he was when he won the Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. He... Even with missing so many games this season, he still was in the conversation for a top three receiver, which is incredible with the seasons that C.D. Lamb and Tyreek Hill had. No, it was 
it's an incredible feat to put together the numbers he did. And he's just a special talent. You watch everything that he's able to do. And even in this game against the Lions, he's able to draw penalties and things just with how he runs routes that he gets defenders in a position where they have no choice but to hold or let him score a touchdown. Yeah, and I'm going to take the holding every single time. A hundred percent. I totally get it. You'd rather have that five-yard penalty or even the 15 get a pass interference. It's better than letting Jefferson score every time he touches the ball. Yeah, even if it's 45 on a deep pass interference or something, wouldn't you rather have at least the chance at still holding them to a field goal? That's it. Justin's got you praying for chances. So Vikings fans, hold on to that, and uh, we'll see you at the draft. And hope that the Wolves and the Vikings hold on to their checkbook because dude wants to get paid. Yeah, now dude's going to get paid. Questions just by who? Yeah, that is it. Who is going to sign that check? Hopefully it is the Wolves. Speaking of getting paid, if you follow the AD's office on Twitter, good for you. You knew this was coming. If you don't, follow along and you'll be in the know next time. I tweeted over the weekend and said that the Carolina Panthers head coaching vacancy is basically a dream job. It's getting a lot of flack in the media. People are saying nobody wants to go to Carolina. The owner is unstable, to say the least. The roster's terrible. They are just not competitive. The turnover is insane. Why would you want to go to Carolina? Yeah, I I saw you tweet this out from our account, and I just... I even texted you myself, and I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, so, no way, man. Here's the caveat. It's only a good deal if you are in it for the money. But if you are in it for the money, NFL coach contracts are fully guaranteed. Frank Reich is still collecting a paycheck from the Indianapolis Colts. After getting fired by the Panthers, he's still collecting a paycheck from the Panthers. The Panthers will pay him roughly $25,000 a day for the next several years to not coach. That's not too shabby. That's really, really not too shabby. Between his two teams, Frank Reich is going to haul in almost $75 million to not coach. The Panthers are still paying Matt Rule, who was fired prior to hiring Frank Reich. He's still getting about $40 million. From the Panthers. So, I don't know. You take that job, you're almost guaranteed you're going to get fired in the first three years. But you also almost guarantee you'll never have to work again. Yeah, not if you don't want to. That's a great point. You know, Matt Rule, he sucked it up pretty bad coaching the Nebraska Cornhuskers in college football this year. They've got some good recruits. But, man, he's coaching one of the premier historic franchises in college football while getting paid by the laughing stock of the NFL right now. That guy's making a butt ton of money and he doesn't have to do anything. You're totally right. Mhm. It's not always about the money, but hey, sometimes it's kind of about the money. It was about the money. Yeah. And we'll just do a quick hit on the weekend of games. Most of the games didn't really matter. There were a couple that mattered a whole lot. Right. Jaguars was one of them. They had no business losing that game, but The Titans don't care. The thing is, is what we were just talking about with Justin Jefferson, there's going to be a similar conversation with even more money going on in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence plays a quarterback. He's inherently worth more than Justin Jefferson, even if Justin Jefferson is labeled as 
wide receiver one in the entire NFL. Trevor Lawrence was drafted to be the next Andrew Luck or the next Peyton Manning. You know, Hall of Fame caliber guys win multiple Super Bowls. Not in Andrew Luck's case, but could have in theory. And he's been mediocre. Mediocre. Exactly that. He is a, has been a mediocre quarterback for his entire career. Obviously, was, it's, only, it's only a few years. It's only a few years. And there was like six games or so in the 2022 season where he looked great. But this year one game where he was above average two games maybe yeah there's never been a clear next step that you expect from a guy like that who comes in as that type of prospect I think we'll go through quarterbacks in the offseason and kind of how teams feel because confidence in your quarterback is a huge huge thing and so many teams I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan I can say this with great confidence, get locked into mediocre quarterback play because you look at your quarterback and you know he's not terrible. Right. Maybe, maybe if we put everything around him in top-tier talent, he'll be good enough. That's just not how it works. We're looking at you, Cleveland Browns. Hey, it's just not how it works. If you look at Super Bowl winners... Because if that's the ultimate goal, if the goal is playoffs and sell tickets, fine. That's not what I, as a fan, want. I don't think that's what most fans want. You want a legitimate shot at a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl winning quarterback is almost always a future Hall of Famer. Right. And a lot of people will talk about how you need that quarterback on a rookie contract. You and I have spoken several times. We don't particularly adhere to that thought process it's certainly helpful but when you have that rookie quarterback or quarterback on a rookie contract I should say all of the ones that we've seen win that way sure they were on a rookie contract but they were also borderline or elite it's not just oh I had a quarterback on a rookie contract that's some schmuck no Russell Wilson when they won the Super Bowl he was playing great Patrick Mahomes when they won the Super Bowl the first time He was on a rookie contract, and he was the best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, the second time, no rookie contract, is the best quarterback in the NFL. Tom Brady, 2,000 times, was almost never on a rookie contract, consistently was the best or one of the best Mm -hmm. quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when teams decide to settle for good, not great, instead of taking a swing. I get it. You don't want to lose your job making a decision that is a gamble. It'll be interesting to see what the Jaguars do with Trevor Lawrence. It'll be interesting to see what a lot of teams do with their quarterbacks. Another one of those is going to be the New England Patriots. They got smeared this weekend 17-3 to against the Trevor Simeon Jets. And it might have been Bill Belichick's final game in Foxborough, Just not the way you ever expected that Bill would go out if that is, in fact, how it ends. Yeah, definitely not. And we'll find out what exactly happens with him. Current rumors came out on Monday that said if he stays, Josh McDaniels go back as offensive coordinator. That's kind of the only time we've seen them have success on offense. It's the only time that Mac Jones looked good, certainly. Yeah, they also had the Tom Brady piece for a long time that made that very true made that combo work 
On a more positive note, though, we did have some highlights over the weekend. The entire AFC North finished the season over 500, all four teams. And that includes the Bengals who missed the playoffs and lost Joe Burrow for most of the season, still ended over 500. A division has not had all four teams above 500 since 1935. So just extremely competitive football in the AFC North. On the NFC side, Puka Nakua got the rookie receiving records for most receptions and receiving yards. And I don't know if you if you saw the highlight, if you saw the clip. He broke the record, and head coach Sean McVay said, sweet, get him off the field immediately. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely the right decision. We saw in the Detroit Lions games what playing your starters in a game that is meaningless is a stretch, but in a game that might not affect your seating much, what it can do. Sam Laporta, he hyperextended his knee. It's the same injury that Travis Kelsey had before week one, so the fastest you could come back is like two days, so it's possible he plays this weekend, but not super likely. Sean McVay wanted to avoid that with Puka Nakua. Obviously, the 49ers, they avoided it pretty much entirely. Purdy didn't play. Christian McCaffrey didn't play. Trent Williams didn't play. They're kind of the three that make that wheel go round. Yeah, it was an interesting move. I applaud McVay for letting Puka go after that record. When you're that close, he only needed you know, a couple catches and really average-type receptions for the season he's having. I love when guys are allowed to chase records when they're close. And I get pulling them out to avoid injury because they have playoff games to prep for. Definitely. Everyone wants to be at their best when the playoffs roll around. I get it, Sean McVay. I get it. And finally, the final regular season game. Uh, Shout out to the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills in a game that didn't really matter based on the games earlier in the day. Both teams had already locked a playoff spot before kickoff, and they still played starters and fought to the end because, well, Miami doesn't want to go on the road and Buffalo doesn't want to play in Miami again. Yeah, yeah, no. But um, Buffalo, you... You swept them, so, I mean, how afraid would you be if you did have to play them again? Granted, it's hard to beat a team three times, but, like, are the Bills particularly afraid of Miami? I don't think so. Nah, but it's fun to play back in Buffalo, and they're going to be looking forward to hosting a playoff game. And we'll get to all the playoff games, but first, the Monday after the final games of the NFL season has become... Black Monday. Coaches that we kind of anticipated were going to get fired get axed, usually first thing Monday morning. And this year was no different. Started off with the Falcons firing head coach Arthur Smith. And I think there's a bigger story here in the last several days where the Saints and Falcons in the game over the weekend The Saints were lined up in what is known as victory formation, ready to take a knee near the goal line at the end of the game. And instead of taking the knee, they handed it off to Jamal Williams and let him pound it in for a touchdown. It was a blowout. The Saints had this thing well handled. After the game, Arthur Smith coming over to shake hands with Dennis Allen decided he was not going to shake hands whatsoever. 
cussed him out on the field. Just ripped him a new one. And he was furious that they wouldn't just take the knee. I'm going to, I have thoughts. You go ahead. What was your take on that? My initial reaction was Arthur Smith just win the football game. You're losing by over 20. It's 41 to 17 before that score happens. Mm-hmm. Dude, get over it. And then I realized, oh, it it was a fake kneel down, fake victory formation. That's that's tough. And then you come to find out, oh, Dennis Allen didn't call that play. Jameis Winston called that in the huddle on his own. Shannon Sharp has come out now and said, if I'm Dennis Allen, I'm straight up cutting Jameis Winston today. Like, he's not on the Saints team anymore because he called his own play in the huddle that got me as a coach cussed out on national TV. And I think I agree with him. That is pretty bad. So here's, I, I saw the Shannon Sharp take, and part of what he didn't like was there's this unspoken, if you line up in victory formation, you line up that you look like you're going to take a knee, it's just kind of this unspoken, like the defense isn't actually trying to stop you, so you don't actually run a play. My issue with that is how is it different than any other fake if you're going to fake a field goal or if you're going to even fake spike and run a play, teams get away with fakes all the time. So why is a fake victory formation inherently worse than a normal play fake? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I definitely get that. Like, why do we care that it's a fake? But I'm also thinking it's victory formation, man. Like, we know that players aren't going to try anything on that play. It's nobody wants to get hurt. And if you're getting blown off the ball on a play that's effectively insignificant, yeah, that would piss me off. Yeah, it's also, I mean, it was Jamal Williams scoring who led the league in touchdowns last year and prior to that play had not scored this year. Which... I get, you know, you want to stand up for your boys, get them a touchdown. But, like, dude, I love you, Jamal Williams. Like, you were on the Lions. You broke Barry Sanders' rushing touchdown record. But just score earlier in the season, man. There's also that. It's an interesting take, though, for Shannon Sharp to say Dennis Allen should cut Jameis. I think there's another way to respond to that. And it's probably the way I would respond. And it's fire Dennis Allen. I would fire him anyways, I think. Sure. So maybe it's both? Yeah. I mean, Jameis Winston screwed up. But Dennis Allen has also proven to not be a good head coach. I don't think the two have to be related. No, that's fair. And I think on the flip side, Arthur Smith getting fired, the dude drafted Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson and basically had a non-existent offense. Yeah. Also reportedly had the opportunity to make a trade for Lamar Jackson and instead decided, no, no, Desmond Ritter is a quality starting quarterback. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah, that's that's less than ideal. You drafted the top player at each of their respective positions for three drafts in a row, and 
this is the result you put on the field. That's pretty that's pretty horrific, man. Yeah. So the Saints, not officially a head coaching vacancy, but wouldn't be shocked if it opens up in the coming weeks. Panthers, obviously, head coach and general manager. We talked about that a little bit. Another one that got cut on Black Monday this week, the Commanders are moving on from Ron Rivera. And I, from a football perspective, I get it. The Commanders have not been altogether that competitive. But Ron Rivera also had to deal with Dan Snyder, which is a lot. True. He he was also there through three different team names because people were offended and non-committal. Yeah. He had eight different quarterbacks during that same time frame and oh yeah, he also had cancer. So it's not like he was given great odds to succeed. And in his interview this past week, he basically came out and said, you know, when you inherit a good quarterback, that's basically your saving grace as a coach. If you inherit a franchise quarterback, when you step foot into a building for the first time as a head coach, you better succeed because those are rare is essentially what Ron said. And he went as far as to say, if Alex Smith doesn't borderline get his leg cut off, yep, he's never hired there because Jay Gruden probably has success there if Alex Smith sticks around. And that's, in some ways, it sounds like a pitch to other teams to say, hey, if you give me quality players, then I can still be a good head coach. So I don't know if he was pitching himself or what, but it's also totally true, right? I think it is. And that is a fantastic segue to the next head coach opening. The Los Angeles Chargers have got to be on the short list of intriguing openings simply because quarterback. Justin Herbert makes that an attractive spot. Even though the Chargers have been the definition of mediocre for basically the last decade, there's just I, I could even see current NFL coaches decide they would rather leave their franchise, wherever that is, to go to coach the Chargers because of Justin Herbert. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly going to be a question. Currently, the head coaching favorite for the job is Jim Harbaugh, the now national champion, who is the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines for now. A lot of people think he's going to jump ship. Man, I don't know. Everyone in Michigan seems to think that he's going to stick around because he likes being the de facto GM. You're in yeah. college football, so it's not really GM, but no, he but gets kinda. to pick his own players. Yeah. And if it's if it's about the money, I think Michigan probably pays him more than the Chargers, honestly. And you're going to fill the stadium a lot more. And you'll probably be more competitive and you don't have to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. I don't know. Michigan's not a bad get. Yeah, and I mean, how much better of exposure are you going to get than playing in a football game every year that is literally called capital the game? No, nah, it's a it's a good place to be if Harbaugh decides to jump to the NFL. He's obviously going to be in that short list for the Chargers. But you also have guys like Bill Belichick potentially moving. 
Mike Tomlin potentially moving. I've heard Vrabel's name get thrown out. There are some existing coaches who might, if they get a phone call, decide, you know what? I get to live in sunny Los Angeles. I have a franchise quarterback already installed. I have a relatively low-pressure situation because nobody expects the Chargers to turn around and win the Super Bowl next year. You just expect them to win two or three more games and make the playoffs. Right. Making the playoffs. They had that massive collapse in 2022 against the Jaguars, but they were in the playoffs and they had a big lead at a halftime of a playoff game. Yeah. Another interesting opening, Las Vegas Raiders. In my head, it's the least open of the openings. I think Antonio Pierce has done everything he needs to to get that job. The fact that Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, has even put it out into the media that he's not going to be handed this job is absolutely silly to me. He has a winning record as a Raiders head coach. With a rookie quarterback, a disgruntled Devontae Adams, an organization that was a complete dumpster fire halfway through the season, fired their coach and GM in the middle of the night. I, what more can he do? For real. And you can just tell that very much Dan Campbell-esque, he's yeah. a leader of men and the entire locker room loves him. They've gone out of their way to praise him publicly and say, hey, we as players want him to be our head coach. What are you doing? It shouldn't even be a question. Yeah, I completely agree. So the Raiders job should actually be locked up. And that's it for official openings, but there are two that I think are going to get a lot of buzz, depending on what happens in the playoffs. The first, well, the first is going to depend on some playoff openings, potentially, but it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. That's going to be an offseason storyline until we have a definitive answer that he's moving on or he's coming back. I don't know what's going to happen. I think it feels like it's the right time to break up. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right. And it's been put out into media that there may be a mutual discussion there or that Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, we forget that he traded for Bill Belichick. It's true. So he could now turn around and trade away Bill Belichick Tennessee Titans, maybe Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick switch spots. That'd be interesting. That'd be an interesting one. The most interesting potential coaching vacancy. If the Philadelphia Eagles lose in the wild card weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, would not shock me for a second if they clean house. Which is so nuts to me that you're one year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. One play, basically, away from a Super Bowl championship. Yep. And then you were the one seed through 12 weeks in the NFL season, and now it's just like, eh, nah. Like, I get They've had a terrible stretch. They've been not good. They've lost to bad teams, even. But really? Fireable? We're not even going to let them play... A month into next season? Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting. And it's 
victim of your own success a little bit. The Eagles being a wild card team is already kind of a red flag because we thought they were Super Bowl favorites. We thought they were going to be the cream of the crop, and they are barely scraping into the playoffs. Right. I mean, they, they got beat up by the Giants this weekend in a game that they tried to win. I think they threw it in at halftime because they saw the score of the simultaneous Cowboys game and realized the Cowboys are absolutely handing it to the Commanders. They're going to win the East. At that point, it doesn't matter. But from the initial kickoff, the Eagles were fighting for winning the division and ultimately the two seed in the NFC, and they were getting whooped by the Giants. Well, but not only that, Jalen Hurts got an injury to his throwing hand. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, star receiver, headed to the Pro Bowl, injured on his knee. That's terrible. You know, they they got beat up. You know, that's yeah. your two best players on your entire team. Darius Slay was already missing time. Debatably the best player on their defense. James Bradbury has been not playing super great. Jalen Carter, been a star on their defensive line maybe defensive rookie of the year but man you guys are injured all over you're getting beat up by the giants yeah yeah it was time to pull starters yeah no they're uh trending the wrong direction as we head into the postseason and we will make our official postseason predictions but first let's go back a little bit back in time to our mid-season nfl awards predictions and let's see how we did obviously the awards are not officially in but I'm curious if we have changed where we want to stand. For MVP, I said Lamar halfway through the season. I am confident in my pick then, and I'm going to stick with Lamar for MVP. Yeah, yeah, if I had to guess, you got that one right. I said Jalen Hurts. Who would have known that they were going to end up losing, like five straight? Yeah, no, that was a crazy fall from grace. Offensive player of the year, though, I think you got it with McCaffrey. Yeah, Dude averages a touchdown a game. What can I say? It's crazy. I had said Tyreek. Obviously, that was pre-injury, and that happens. I also thought A.J. Brown would be able to catch up, and he really didn't because the Eagles fell off a cliff. Again, who would have thought? They would would have thought? Five straight games. CeeDee Lamb is an interesting sleeper on Offensive Player of the Year. He leads the league in receptions, in targets, in yards after catch. I ultimately just don't think you can pass McCaffrey. If he had more touchdowns, I think he would get it. But the fact that CMC averages legitimately a touchdown a game, I don't think that's getting taken from him. Yeah. Okay, what about Defensive Player of the Year? Because I think we both said Miles Garrett with Max Crosby as second. In my head, Max Crosby is not in the conversation anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He... He didn't fall off, but everyone else kind of kept going. Yep. I don't hate Miles Garrett. I feel like the next option is TJ Watt, and it really comes down to how much weight you put on sacks. TJ Watt led the league in sacks. He had 19. The next closest was 17 and a half. So he was averaging more than a sack a game, which is ridiculous. Right. First player ever in NFL history to lead the league in sacks in three separate seasons ridiculous and as a fun little added stat there are only two players in nfl history who have had 19 sack seasons more than once it's tj watt now this year and jj watt 
his big brother. So, I don't know, the, the Watt boys do a pretty good job of getting to the quarterback. I wouldn't hate TJ getting it. I We said it midseason. Sometimes it's as simple as you give it to the best player on the best team. I, Which is still Miles Garrett. It's still Miles Garrett and the Browns, and I think that's where I land. But it got close. Yeah, I think I don't have it in front of me, but I think TJ Watt has more turnovers as well, though, which that's kind of it for me. I mm. I think because of that, I would give it to TJ. But All yeah, right. I would not be shocked at either of these. Yeah. So, And then rookies. Offensive rookie of the year, we both said CJ Stroud. I, even with missed games, I think Stroud holds on. He has been so much better than expected as a rookie quarterback. Totally. And even beyond that, Bill Barnwell was on ESPN earlier in the week and said he looks at it as not just as a rookie quarterback. C.J. Stroud was a top 10 quarterback, period, full stop. That is offensive rookie of the year. With all due respect to Pukunakua setting the receiving record and having a phenomenal season in Los Angeles, Puka also only had six touchdowns. So he was not nearly the dynamic game changer that Stroud was for the Texans. Here's the thing. I don't think we have to think about it that hard. Why? Because this is a sequel, not an original. We saw this exact same thing play out once already with Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert. Justin Jefferson had, at the time, the best rookie season as a receiver, debatably ever. Yeah. But Justin Herbert, in the same season, had, debatably, the best rookie season as a quarterback ever. Who won the award? Not the receiver. We're watching the same movie. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think that is a good way to sum it up. C.J. Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Honestly, when we pressed record on this episode, I was going to say Jalen Carter. That was my pick midseason. And I had said Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback for Seattle, was playing the best halfway through the season, but I fully anticipated Jalen Carter would be able to maintain that. I'm switching it. I think Will Anderson Jr. playing for the Texans Part of it, I think, is just benefiting from a better team. The Texans have looked better down the stretch than the Eagles, and that has allowed Anderson to shine. I think Will Anderson gets Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. I still think it's Jalen Carter. Um, I'm still holding out hope for my boy Brian Branch, who has multiple interceptions and many tackles for loss playing safety, but that's not going to happen. So... I think Jalen Carter is still going to get it just because he's been so dominant for all season, even though his team has not looked great as of recent. But yeah, Will Anderson would not be a shock. At this point, Devon Witherspoon would be a shock. Oh, yeah. I don't think he even sniffs it at this point. No. And then the last one we predicted was Coach of the Year. I confidently said halfway through the season it was Dan Campbell, and you said it was Dan Campbell, but you weren't going to actually say it because you're a Lions fan. Right. How are we feeling end of season? Because my vote has changed. My vote has also changed. I think Dan will be the runner-up to another former player-turned-coach. D'Amico Ryans has done great things. Mm, yeah. I totally think it's him. Interesting. I See, I think D'Amico is the runner-up to Kevin Stefanski 
the Cleveland Browns head coach, being able to get that Browns team into the playoffs with four different quarterbacks and pulling Joe Flacco off the couch, I think is just remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. There's some validity there. But I also really like D'Amico Ryans as a coach of the year candidate. The Texans are so much better than we expected. And D'Amico Ryans in his first stint as a head coach looks like he's no, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He took a rookie quarterback and won the division with them when they were projected to be a bottom three team in the NFL this season. So I, I'm going to pick D'Amico. At the end of the day, I do think they're the top three. I think it'll be mm-hmm. D'Amico, Kevin, and Dan Campbell in some order. Mike Tomlin's probably the fourth one there still. But, yeah, I, I really think it's a two-man race between Kevin Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans probably. Dan Campbell's in the conversation, but... Yep, and yeah. that's absolutely no shade to Dan Campbell. The Lions just had higher expectations, and so we're not shocked that the Lions are good. Right. So with that, playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? I just want to win one game. One game. Yeah, that's the story for, well, my Detroit Lions basically have not won a playoff game in 30 years. They love to win just one. Just one. Just one. Just one. Lions and wrong. You want to win them all. Oh, yeah. But I don't have any false pretenses that the Lions are going to win a Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're good enough to do that, especially with the Baltimore Ravens being who they are this season. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I think as we look at the 14 teams that made the playoffs, I actually think we may have gotten the 14 best teams. So obviously those bubble teams toward the end, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Packers kind of slid in at the back of the NFC, which meant Seahawks, Vikings, Falcons were out. Based on how they were playing toward the end of the season, I absolutely think the Bucks, Rams, and Packers are better than the Seahawks, Vikings, and Falcons. Yep, I can get with that. On the AFC side, the Jags fell apart at the end of the season. The Texans got in because they beat the Colts, and the Steelers got in on grit and determination because it certainly was not with their offense. I'm not positive that the Steelers are better than the Colts, but I'm not positive they're not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I've got them back to back in my rankings. You've got them separated by only one with the Packers in between them. So man, it's basically for me down to the fact that the Steelers made the playoffs. So I was like, they did enough to get in and the Colts didn't. Yep. Yeah, no, I, and I think that does count for something. So with that, wild card weekend, Philadelphia Eagles at Tampa Bay. The Eagles are actually two and a half point favorites on the road against the Bucks. I don't care. I'm taking the home team. Give me the Buccaneers. Me too. It's like Eagles are on a huge skid. Jalen Hurts is injured. A.J. Brown is injured. Yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that. Sorry, Eags. I just, it doesn't feel good. Now, this one's going to be a little personal for you. The Rams coming to Detroit. Stafford back up against his his team, his city. And the Lions are favored by three, which is a tight game. Yeah, 
the line in that one has already moved. They open as three and a half point favorites. That moved down to three. I I think the Lions win. I'm not totally convinced of that. I'm like 55, 45, probably. Sure. I literally all day long had Lions winning it. And just for the sake of some interesting dynamics in our brackets, I'm going to go Rams. I think Stafford outplays Goff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it happen. The thing is, is that the Rams have not a great run defense despite having all pro Aaron Donald and the Lions have True. probably the best run offense in the league. It's valid. So I, if I had to guess, this is going to be a shootout. And if the Lions end up with the ones with end up as the ones with the ball last, they can pretty easily take five, six, seven minutes off the clock and yeah. still score a touchdown. No, that's interesting. Almost to the point, if I if I were the Lions and win the coin toss, I'd almost take the ball first, go up early, because then it's just a game of clock management. You're absolutely right. If it yeah. comes if it comes down to can the Lions hold on to the ball long enough to not give Stafford a chance, I think they have a pretty good shot. Yeah, and exactly what you just said is actually what we've seen in the last like four or five Lions games. They've taken the ball every time they've won it won the coin toss for like two months in a row now. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm picking the Lions and a close one. I'm you not... have to. You have to. First playoff game for your yeah. team in your lifetime, you have to. But I, I'm trying to be realistic too, and so I don't I don't think this is a lock by any means. No, but if you pick against them and they win, you'd kick yourself forever. So Or you set the bar just low enough that you're never disappointed. <laughs> Hey, that sounded like a Lions fan. Yeah, yeah. Very familiar with uh, Vikings fans as well. Final NFC game for the weekend. The Packers going to Dallas to face the Cowboys. Cowboys open, I believe, as seven and a half point favorites. I'm not going to overthink it. The Cowboys are better. That is what it is. Yeah, I'm picking the Cowboys in this one, too. So that's not super complicated. We'll jump over to the AFC, the Browns visiting the Texans. Browns actually open as favorites on the road, two and a half points opening line, very similar to the Philadelphia line. I actually like the Browns in this one. And I think if memory serves, the Browns already beat the Texans once this year. The Browns did beat the Texans. Yeah, so the Browns have already beat the Texans once this year. I think you're right. That Browns defense, CJ Stroud has been awesome, but this is a historic defense for the Cleveland Browns. I'm, I got to pick the historic defense against the rookie quarterback. It's that the rookie quarterback as great as Stroud has been no experience when everything is on the line. And the Browns obviously have Joe Flacco on one side who has lots of experience in the playoffs and then that defense is just really, really good. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So potentially the most entertaining game of wildcard weekend, the Dolphins at the Chiefs. Fun storyline there with Tyreek Hill obviously coming back to Arrowhead. And the Chiefs are, I think, three and a half point favorites is the opening line, which is not much for defending Super Bowl champions at home to be three and a half point favorites. I mean, when you've been as bad as the Chiefs have been, 
Yeah, it, no, that's, that's valid. They are far from the Chiefs we've known the last five years. And they look very beatable. I'm not... I'm going to roll with the Chiefs simply because I think the Dolphins are so beat up. They're so injured. May not have Jalen Waddle. May not have Raheem Mostert. They obviously lost Nick Chubb, or excuse me, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips on their defensive line. They're down a couple linebackers. Their cornerbacks are getting banged up. And Miami is a pass-first offense. And it's going to be like eight degrees and snowing in Kansas City over the weekend. Yeah, not super great. I'm also taking the Chiefs, but I I honestly really want to take the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. But I just I just can't pick against Mahomes in the playoffs. Not the first time. Not yet. Yep. Yep, I'm with you. So then we'll jump into divisional round. For me, it is the Rams visiting the Niners, and the Niners off a bye, I think, will take care of the Rams, no problem. I have the Buccaneers going to the Cowboys, and the Cowboys handle that, no problem. You would have the Buccaneers at the Niners. Is there any question on that one? Not even a little. Yep. And then you would have a rematch, Lions going to Dallas. I think I think if the Lions beat the Rams, which is a big if, I'm not locked on that game by any means. And I can rant about that game forever and say, oh, you know, uh, Stafford, first game in Detroit, a bunch of people have talked about, did they do a tribute video? I think that's incredibly stupid. Why would you do a tribute video of a player on the opposing team when you're in the playoffs? That's ridiculous. Nah, and, save, save it for the offseason. Yeah, no way. Regular season game even? Sure, I don't care. In the playoffs? Why would you do that? That's nah, stupid. you're hunting. So, I'm, but I'm still not sold on that game. However, if Detroit beats the Rams and Matthew Stafford, I think the Lions over the Cowboys is the biggest lock of the playoffs. <laughs> I And that's not even... I'm totally serious about that. There'd you be think, so much emotion. You think if Detroit goes in there, Dan Campbell's not going to have a literal concussion from having banged his head against the wall so hard with how pissed off he's going to be? Oh, they're no opening shot. They're opening that game with an onside kick and they are just slamming it every single play. They're set the over under at one flea flicker per drive right now. It's going to be. If if the Lions make it to Dallas, bloodbath. You're absolutely right. So I, if the Lions make it to Dallas, I have them winning by, I don't know, 12? Yeah, no, that seems fair. On the AFC side, we have the same. It'll be Chiefs going to the Bills. I'm taking the Bills. And then Browns going to Baltimore off a of bye. I think Baltimore takes care of business there. Yeah, I I want to agree with you. I'm definitely taking the Bills over the Chiefs. That's not up for discussion. Mm-hmm. I think for the same reason you took the Rams in the first round, <laughs> I have to take now the Browns in this second round. All right. The Browns already beat the Ravens once. Yeah, divisional opponent. It There's an divisional added layer. Divisional opponent's hard. Browns, again, with that historic defense. And Flacco going back to M&T Bank. Oh, Man, Stafford in Detroit and Flacco in Baltimore in the same set of playoffs would just mm. be 
Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. An entire generation of football fans just reminiscing and also crying brand new fresh tears. Yeah, the NFL was in their bag with the script this year. Good for them. Going on to championship weekend, I would have Cowboys at Niners. I don't think the Cowboys are good enough to be the Niners if the Niners stay healthy. And and then on the other side, I would have the Bills at the Ravens. I think the Bills magic runs out, so I'll take the Ravens. For you, it would be Lions at Niners. Yeah, I'm, the Niners are going to be in the Super Bowl. I don't think that's a question. I also, <laughs> if I was being real with myself, I think the Ravens are also going to be in the Super Bowl. But, you know, because I'm picking the Browns for argument's sake, sure. I do think the Bills would beat the Browns, I think, which that's even actually a really good matchup. So That would be um, good. So, so yeah, I think you'd, you'd have Browns case, at Buffalo. Right. In that case, I think it would be the Bills versus the Niners in the Super Bowl. All right. So I have Niners Ravens for my Super Bowl matchup. You have Niners Bills. Who are you taking? In that case, I'm taking the Niners. Let's be real, guys. I think it's going to be the Ravens and Niners. And I think the Ravens are going to win again. I'd be cool with it. I'm taking the Ravens over the Niners. It has been, what, 11 years since the last time they did it. So, Gosh, I wish it had been 11 years. <laughs> since your last Super Bowl win. Yeah, since no, my it's... first Super Bowl win. I just just won. I just want to win one game. <laughs> just one before we die. Just one before we die. Said a lot of football fans. So that is it for our playoff predictions. Obviously, we'll talk about the real matchups as they come if we were wrong, but we're never wrong. Except for when we are. But those times don't count. <laughs> for the final time of the season our power rankings we didn't agree on the top five same teams different order i have ravens niners bills browns lions same as last week i didn't have any reason to change anything yep same you yeah you flipped the browns and lions for lions browns but otherwise top five stayed the top five and the bottom three we know who they are they've been what they've been yeah yeah panthers patriots commanders Sorry, buds. Might all be getting new coaches and new quarterbacks. Everyone likes shiny new toys. But in our NFC North report, I actually ended up flipping the Vikings over the Bears. Um, You have the Vikes at 22, Bears at 21. I've got the Vikes at 21, Bears at 22. You have the Pack at number 13, and I've got them at 12. Yeah, that's me uh, setting the bar real low. So I can't be disappointed. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And with that, I think it's safe to say office hours are officially closed. As always, make sure you follow along on Instagram and Twitter at the AD's office for our power rankings and live tweeting, posting, Xing, whatever it is during the games over the weekend. And as always, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share this with your mom. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.